Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, folks, welcome to episode three of the Lou Nanny podcast, 1500 ESPN. You can, of course, find us uh, all over the place at the uh, website, iTunes, and um, Podcast One, all those good places. And, Louie, I want to start you with a, a weird Zolgadian idea that came to me during Saturday night's wild game and see what you think. Think if I'm crazy or if there might be something to this. After seeing Alex Stalock play the puck magnificently for that entire game, but especially in three-on-three in overtime, what would you think of at least experimenting with only in three-on-three, Alex Stalock coming into games and being your goaltender because of the fact that he moves the puck so well and basically becomes a fourth skater in that instance? Well, it, it sounds good offensively, but you got to remember the guy hasn't played all night long. And one thing about three and three, you're going to get good chances. Both teams will get good chances. So now you're you're really putting him out to uh, uh, out to dry, really, because he hasn't been in the game. He hasn't fielded a shot, and and that's more dangerous than just being able to play the puck. So, I, do do you think it, it would be? too much of, of a gamble because du- Dubnik's uh don't get me wrong he's fantastic but you know he's just at 6-6 d- does not get out and move the puck as well is is that too big of a risk though for a coach to take that from the end that the goaltender in your mind wouldn't be warmed up yeah it's too big of a risk as far as I'm concerned because he hasn't been in there and, and trust me when you're sitting for an hour not yep. moving your legs and he wouldn't have been moving his legs that's, that also could put him in a position where he might pull a groin or something, making a big save. I hear I was so happy with myself, Lou. I saw I saw him playing the puck, and I thought to myself, this is a great idea. That part, if you knew that he was going to get the puck <laughs> before he got a shot, then okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so when, when you see guys, goaltenders in particular, play the puck, do you like it or do does the former GM in you come out, and do you think think to yourself, there's so much that could possibly go wrong when they do, especially if guys like to start to roam? Well, it all depends who the guy is. If I see Staley play the puck, and I've seen him enough, and I see him in the, the beauty league, and et cetera, I don't have a problem with him playing the puck because I know he's exceptional with it. Mm-hmm. When I see other guys playing the puck, I'd rather than not play the puck. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I, I, I see these goaltenders stop it behind the net and they're going to make a play and they pass it to the wrong person. Yeah. Or they handcuff their goaltender. You know, it's it's so important for a goaltender to be able to handle the puck properly. The best I've ever seen at not passing the puck, but handling for his defenseman was Gump Worsley. And the reason why I say that, because Gump was so aware of what hand his, his defenseman shot. So if it was me coming around and he's going to stop the puck and he sets it up, 
he sets it up so I don't have to break stride. It's on my forehand as a right-hander. Hmm. If it was Tommy Reed coming the other way, he'd set up on the other side because Tommy Reed's a left-hander. And that's really a great presence of mine is to do it quickly and to do it properly. Yep. It's a unique talent, and Gum was the best I've seen at doing that. So, but, but he didn't play it. He basically set you up to play it yourself then, correct? Exactly. Is what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. And you have to remember, most of the times, for 90% of these goaltenders, they don't make their good pass. <laughs> And and a lot of times they'll even fire it around the boards and it's hip high, and a goal and somebody's closing on the guy, and and uh, or they get it intercepted and they're out of the net. Uh, I've had nightmares watching some of the guys, and I I, <laughs> I just you know if it's Ronnie Hexall, if it's Patrick Wall was good at, it, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know uh, Stalock's terrific at it. There are a handful that I love seeing them do it, and they do it properly. But the majority don't handle it that well. Give me a goaltender uh, that that you you were around or saw that that he thought he played the puck well, and you said to yourself, "This guy should not be playing the puck as much as he's trying to do it." Well, Can you uh, think of one. Yeah, you know, I I I, I kind of like I don't want to say it, but I, I'd like Dubnik not to play it as much as he does. I like him to just set it up because sometimes it goes the wrong way. Sure, you you might get, if you're if you're right seven of the ten times, the other three times you're giving up. Opportunities, you know. Yes. This is not a high percentage game. This is almost a, either you do it properly or don't do it alone because it gives up a quality chance. But even, you know, I'd have my my goaltender sometimes. Uh, you know, Bopri did everything well, but I didn't want Donnie Hamlin in the puck. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even crazy about Milosh in the puck. They were excellent goaltenders, but I I rather have the defenseman coming back handling the puck and making the play. Do defensemen like that when when a goaltender passes them the puck, or to your point, do they just prefer to be set up correctly by the goaltender so that they can pick it up themselves? No, I don't mind if the goalie passes right to the defenseman. I'm talking about him trying to get up the boards and make a play. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, if he if he's going to the defenseman, I'm fine with that. You know, a ten fifteen foot pass, and he sees the guy there. But but the one thing you know they got to be aware of, and sometimes they're not as. Which way is the four-checker coming? Who's coming? The one thing about Gump, when you were going back to see play a puck off the end boards, he'd say, guy coming from the right, guy coming from the left, left's open, right's not. It's really a, a communication value there. If, if your goaltender can help the defenseman out there and, and, and give him the out right away so he doesn't have to look or think about it. Although when a defenseman goes back for the puck, he should be going rather than straight at the puck, you've got to come on an angle. Mm-hmm. So you're looking up ice while you're picking up the puck. If you come straight at the puck, your back's to the four checkers, you don't know where they are. As I recall, if I'm correct here, Bopre, uh, to your point, played the puck pretty well. Malash, I don't recall. Did, did he play it okay or not really? Uh, like I said, just... <laughs> I. When you say play the puck, if he's playing it just a defenseman, fine. But when they're trying to go up there, no, it wasn't great. Gotcha. All right. So last night, marvelous game, Avs and Tampa Bay, Louis. Uh, and it, it ends in a one nothing lightning win. But I got a question for you off that game because this is the this thing drives me nuts, and it came into play again. Uh, the Avalanche thought they that they had a goal. The Tampa coach John Cooper looked for a replay on an offsides, and I believe it was the skate of Tyson Jost that was up above the blue line. So it's barely offsides, but technically by the letter of the law, it was offsides. Your thoughts 
on on where we stand right now with replay reviews on offsides and your thoughts also on the fact that until this system came along, I had no idea the number of ways that a guy could be offsides. Are you barely pregnant or are you pregnant? <laughs> the rule is if you're offside, you're offside. If you're pregnant, you're pregnant. <laughs> and and because we weren't able to determine before, yep. the advantage shouldn't go to the cheater. So you don't mind this then? No, I like it. I like it a lot. Interesting. Because, you know, one of the things I have to tell you, Glenn Sommer was terrific at. He yep. was terrific at making certain we didn't go offside. And we didn't go offside that much as a team. And you know why? Every day that they were scrimmaging in practice or doing power plays or anything, he'd be yelling, we don't go offside. We don't go offside. Just drill it in their head. And the players know the rules. Players know you got to either drag that back foot or at least you have to have it down on the ice. And so if you're offside, you're offside. I mean, it's like saying, well, the puck wasn't over the line, but part of it was that we're going to give him a goal. No, it's not over the line. So I, 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 I got to say I'm very happy with that. And I, there was a goal, I uh, forget what team it was. It might have been in the wild or something earlier in the year when I was, I was convinced that the guy didn't have control. And, yep. and they called it, and he didn't have control because the stick was in the air, the puck was in the air, and the skates were over, and then he pulled it over. That's not control. you got to have good control. Hey, if you're going to go in the head of the puck, if you're controlling the puck, then you're on site. See, I thought that that rule would drive you crazy. No, it I thought you wouldn't be able to stand it. Interesting. You know, I, I, because if you're offside, you're offside. Why? Why should they benefit? Well, it's the amount of ways though that I didn't know. I, I knew the the traditional rule. I had never ever heard of or thought about the one skate being up above the blue line and that being an offside until they they started to do the uh, replay reviews on that rule. Well, you got you got to you got to be touching the ice. And, you know, if your left skate's over over the blue line and your right skate's in the air, then you, you're offside if the puck hasn't gone over yet. But if, you're, if your right skate's down behind the blue line and the guy's pulling the puck over, you're onside. So players know that. It's just like, uh, you know, you, 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 can't, uh, you can't kick the puck in intentionally. Right, you can't. You, you but I, I did see a goal a couple nights ago where you now you can't kick it in intentionally. But if it's a non-kicking motion now and it goes off your skate, that's a goal. So it always was. Oh, I thought they. I thought they, I thought there was a period there where no. if it went off your skate, it was not a goal in no, the, the late nineties or something. If it was a non-directed motion. Okay. Here's my question then: the offsides rule. How many thousands upon thousands of goals were scored? through the years, that were probably offsides and didn't get contested because they couldn't be? Well, I'll give you one because I was working the game. And it was the seventh game of the Stanley Cup Finals between Islanders and Philly, and it was the first time the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. And it was the overtime goal of Nystrom scored. Leon Sicko was a linesman, and everybody's convinced he was offside. And if I remember correctly, I think he was offside. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't contested. They won the Stanley Cup. There's a problem right there. Yeah. Oh, that was, so was that game six of that series? I think it was game seven. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you happen to see the Sidney Crosby goal a couple nights ago against yeah. the Oilers, three on three? <laughs> how, how incredible, and and we talked about last week all of the fast guys and kids and, and how much upcoming talent in this league, but what Sidney Crosby did against the uh, that poor Oilers defenseman, 
That guy's jockstrap was laying in the right circle, I think, by the time that play was done, Louie. Well, it wasn't only the defenseman. First, the winger came towards him. He sort of faked like he was going back. The winger turned, then he faked that defenseman out of his jock, and then he pulled out the goaltender and put it in. And I think he was saying, yes, Connor McDavid's good, but don't forget me. Yeah, he's a special player. He He's still fantastic. I, I think you're exactly right. And and what else I liked about that game? That was a very 1980s 6-5 to final score. That was yeah. a fun game to watch. Well, you know, Judd, that... Well, whether we like it or not, that's what, uh, especially the American public loves, is scoring. That's why you, you, they change so many rules in basketball and the zone and in the football and and uh, contact and, and uh, hockey. Uh, you know, everybody wants to see more scoring. The purists, and like me, don't mind one nothing game, 3-2, three, 3-3. Three, three. Yep. And we, we don't mind it because... It's really something. If you score in the first minute of the game and not another goal scored the rest of the night and the game ends one nothing, you're sitting on the edge of your seat. But really the fans, the majority of fans like scoring, so it was great. It is great. The only people who don't like it are the goaltenders. And I, I think, too, that if you have a 2-1 game and it's exciting with good goaltending, too, Louis, I think that's fine. I think the problem became, and it's certainly starting, I think, to be corrected here in the past few years, the problem became the game itself bogged down, and now it's not. Now it's fantastic to watch again. Yeah, it's so wide open, so fast, and and there are great plays, and, and the goaltending has been, you know, it just gets better and better all the time. I mean, look at the way Dubnik's playing right now. He's never, ever played better than this. Even when he went and, you know, came in with the Wild and, and, and uh, Buffalo and started that streak, uh, I don't think he he's had to face as many quality chances as he's doing now and keeping the puck out. I, I think this is the best I've ever seen him play. I mean, he's been mm-hmm. playing. He's had some great times, but uh, you can't get any better than what he's doing right now. What's your theory, Lou, on on why it took so so long for him to develop? And as far as teams, what he went, he came up in at Edmonton, where I think he was expected to be good, and he might have got off to a good start there, but went down after that because that team was not good and then gets traded around what Phoenix, Montreal, Nashville. Why do you think it took him so long to find a niche here? Well, I, I, I certainly am not a goaltender expert, but I do believe that he really got helped by Sean Burke in Arizona. And, and what I think happens sometimes, uh, just like any other position, a goaltender might be developing bad habits or has got a bad habit that he doesn't realize he has. And people don't pick it up, and and they don't and they don't uh, you know they don't fix it. They they really have to do something differently. And I think Sean Burke really changed the way Dubnik was seeing the puck, facing the puck, and how he's doing things. And and uh, he's he's got the size, he's got the ability, and and he just needed a little different look at how he was how he was playing the puck. You know. Mm-hmm. And and this happens to a number of goaltenders. You know, for a long while there, uh, I think it was Francois Alar or something. He was like the the goalie guru. Remember when I the won Ducks. the cup and that? Yes. Those goaltenders, if the goaltender signed somewhere else, the coach went with him. Yeah. You know, and they believe in him so much. And I have to tell you, the guys at the, at the Wild, that uh, the Wild have had some great goaltending since their inception. Bob Mason's done a marvelous job with them, and the goaltenders really believe in them. And and you know, when you have confidence in your coach, and and you know, if you let a bad goal in, 
you're going to be able to correct it because he's going to work with you or he's going to point out what went wrong. It really helps the guy. I feel like the fix, at least early in this year so far, for Dubnik, too, has been you don't get the fluky goals as much. I think I've seen maybe one. But, but you know those goals that we've talked about in the past that creep over his shoulder and things like that? It seems like those have been cut down a lot this season. That, that's the key. You're right. He's not letting short side goals in from weird angles, and, and he's not letting uh, you know ones in that he should have had that he had time to react to. I mean, he has been as sharp as, as you can be. There's not a goaltender league playing better than him right now. There's no doubt in my mind. Let's be very clear, though. Jean-Sebastien Giguere was also helped by the fact that there was a period of time there where the league allowed you to basically wear body armor and did nothing about it. At least now the goaltenders have equipment that looks like it it doesn't make them the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, Lou. Yeah, you're right there, but you got to remember, he wasn't the only guy that looked like that or was like that. It was every one of them. I know it was, but it was ridiculous. It was situation, but... This guy, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really happy with the changes they made. They could have even gone a little farther with the changes, but it definitely has helped because it was absolutely ludicrous the kind of equipment the goaltenders had on, and they're getting bigger and you're trying to beat them. You know, it, it just wasn't going to happen. We, we uh, last talked a week ago Thursday, Lou, and at that time the Wild had lost on Monday to Nashville and then beat Arizona on Tuesday. Since then, they beat uh, Dallas in Dallas thanks to Dubnik's play in the second period of that game, which was fantastic, and then Tampa Bay in overtime on Saturday. Your thoughts, as I ask you basically now on a weekly basis, about where things stand with this team? Well, I was at practice a few days ago and watched them, and I really uh, was impressed at the kind of atmosphere they had going in practice, how the guys were were reacting during practice. I thought it's really a happy club. I think they're feeling good about themselves, and I definitely know that they got a lot of confidence in themselves playing like they're playing, and that's a real good thing for the team because early on uh, they weren't playing well and they were being questioned how they were playing, and I'm sure they were questioning in their own mind what they were doing. But when you start getting that confidence, you you don't think anybody can beat you, and, and they, they definitely looked like that to me. In, in the practice that I saw. I'll be very surprised if they don't win against L.A. here. What do you think it's going to take um, to get more consistency? And this might just be impossible, but from a guy like Granlin Lou, who, when he's on, still to me looks like he can be fantastic. And then he has time periods where he's not. But, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. He scored that goal on uh, Saturday against the Lightning, which was a very nice goal. And there's times where you see a kid like that playing still, or a guy, not a kid at this point, and you say to yourself, this skill is still there, very much so. Well, I have to tell you, he's he's probably been their best player for a long time now, for years, and, and they're as far as the forwards go. And there is uh, times, there are times when you think that he could and should be doing more, but he goes through a little period like that, but he's always dangerous, he's always... He's so good with the puck. He's he's better than anybody else in the forward line that they got with the puck. Uh, he he can stick handle in the telephone booth, and and this guy has got uh, he's got what's called elongated time. He can wait till the last second to make the a move with the puck because he just has got the ability like a, a good hitter and wait till the last second to hit a ball. This guy can wait till the last second to make a move with the puck, and even though. Sometimes it doesn't look like he's as productive, and he isn't as he should be. Mm-hmm. He never loses the fact, the the ability to handle pucks the way he does. 
that goal that that he scored against Tampa, I, I think, was indicative of that too, right? Because he looked he looked the goaltender off. Yeah. The, the goaltender thought he's going to pass, 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 and at the last second, he took the puck basically back and shot it, and the goaltender was caught way off guard there. Yeah, and uh, you know he, he's got that ability. You think he can't see or doesn't see where he's shooting the puck? His perception and his peripheral vision is, is exceptional, and he can he can do things like that. And and uh, I got to tell you, he, he's he's so dangerous every time he gets in the offensive zone with the puck because if somebody's able to get free, he's going to find them. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're saying that I should back off him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you should. All right. I certainly, it's gonna be, you know, it's going to be difficult, you, but we I can don't try. have enough grandlands on that team to handle the puck the way he can. Am, am I right in saying the and this? I saw this some last year, but it seems like it's more uh, occurring more now. The defensemen are jumping right into plays more and more. Oh, that's probably been the biggest change recently in the NHL on all the teams. The defensemen now are expected to be involved in the play. And it's almost, unless you are really unique and a tremendous defensive defenseman, you're probably not going to get a lot of playing time unless you can give them some offense, too. Hmm. If you look at the teams that are always dangerous, it's the teams that got their defensemen involved in plays and and getting points. Because as back checkers, you're so focused on the people ahead of you in the zone, and you never see that defenseman coming at the last second. And look at how many games have been won and then tied by defensemen coming at the last minute out of nowhere, and next thing you know, pucks in the net. Which is why Dumba was such a key guy to retain and sign long-term, I thought. Yeah, and and, uh, and as you see, the more confidence he gets, the more he plays, the more dangerous he is. And so uh, I, I think he's got, he's got a future ahead of him where it's just going to be expected. He's going to get at least 50 points every year. So, Louis, is there a counter now to that to that to attempt to, um, if you are the defensive team, to try and trap the defenseman so that that you can get a rush going back the uh, the other way without a defenseman in the play, or does the uh, amount of interference penalties that are now called basically make that impossible to trap that guy back? No, you can trap the guy back. All you need is a turnover, and that's and that's the key in the game today. Is how fast can you transition the puck? when it does get turned over, and can you trap someone? But uh, we're seeing it in the play. Look at uh, early in the season. Look at how many 2-1-1s, 3-2s, 4-2s you see. I've never seen <clears throat> so many out-man uh, out, uh, <laughs> rushes that I can recall. Before, if you ever got caught 2-1, and 3-2, you, you know, the defensive coach and the head coach, they'd be going crazy on you. Now it seems to happen to everybody all the time, and I just I can't believe it. And and of course, it gets magnified hundreds of times when you get to three and three. Somebody's always caught. Oh, yeah, they are. Which which is why it's so much fun to me. Yeah, I love to watch it's that. It's fun for everybody but the goaltenders. Oh, if I was. You know what it reminds yeah. me about? It reminds me about Apple Valley playing Duluth East in the in the state tournament when they went five overtimes. I've never saw so many pure, good quality scoring chances in a game as that night. And the shots were in the sixties, and the goaltenders were fantastic. And I think the score probably ended up about six five. If uh, three on three had been broached in your GM days, would you have voted up or down on the idea? Uh, I probably would have voted up because we had really some quality guys with the puck. Yeah, you did. That's true. We had great. You know, you you usually voted your team. 
Yeah, like when we sure. were playing Edmonton, Glenn Sabre still bugs me because I was one of the guys who was fly, fly, uh, fighting for five on five when you got coincidental minors because four on four Edmonton used to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. I remember I said, that. Well, I said, well, if you had my team and I had your team, I'd vote like you. You're <laughs> voting. You'd vote like I'm voting. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. You, you vote your team. So if so, with your best North Star team, three on three, who who would have started as the three skaters on that team? Oh boy, it Hartsburg all depends what you're talking about. Like Bobby Smith, of course, early Madonna later, Broughton always would be one of them. Yeah, and then Craig Hartsburg, obviously always, he was the best defenseman that's ever played there. And the next guy out there would be Sargent. He was the next best that's ever played there. And as far as defensemen go, and then you got Cicerelli, would be putting him out there, and Tommy McCarthy, would be putting him out there. Acton? I mean, those you know, those are Acton was fast, but he couldn't score like those other guys. Yeah. I'm talking about you know when you get a chance, you want those scores to put it in. Steve Payne, he was a great scorer. Guys like that, you know. Are the Chicago Blackhawks better than we thought? <clears throat> it's too early to tell. I don't think so. I think they're still going to, like I said, have a tough time making the playoffs, but. They are getting driven by the by their main guys, you know. Great years by Kane and, and Taves, mm-hmm. and that uh, I got to tell you, that uh, Brick, what's his name, Brick Brad or something, the little kid that he had sixty-five goals last year in junior. Last year he came in, he had over twenty, and he's he's going to get over thirty this year. Alex, I think it's Brinkat or yep. whatever. Yep, the, the Brinkat. Yeah. Uh, last thing. A, we're going to, to, in fact, do this on a weekly basis. A favorite North Star story. I'm going to give you a name from the North Star's past, and you give me your your favorite story about that person. Let's start with this one. The late J.P. Parisi. Uh, I, I guess it'd have to be, we were playing an exhibition game, and we were playing uh, Winnipeg in Duluth. And Winnipeg had this defenseman, Kim Claxon, on defense. And I, they, you know, JB was really tough in the corners, and he battled you all the time. And 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 I, I think he was getting the best of Claxon, getting the pucks all the time. So Claxon just got upset and, and dropped his gloves, went after JP, and they started a fight. And Claxon was a really good fighter, and JP wasn't known for fighting. And after the game, I went down. And I said to JP, "Way to go, JP! Way to, way to handle yourself," because he didn't get beat up bad or anything. <laughs> he says to me, "God, Lou," he says. The worst words I could ever hear, he says, was "let him go." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "He said I want to fight him in a telephone booth where he got no room to lift his arms and throw." <laughs> he thought the linesmen were basically going to step in for him, huh? Yeah, let him go. Worst words I've ever heard. <laughs> what was JP's? He he was he was fantastic in the corners, correct? He was unbelievable in the corners. He had low center of gravity. He's well built, strong. And he'd get on the inside, and you really couldn't you couldn't pin him. He used to drive Noel Picard crazy. <laughs> In fact, yeah. I had uh, Yvonne uh, uh, Koivu was uh, Noel Picard's nephew, and uh, I was uh, on the owners' committee then, and he was on the player owner committee. We were having a, a meeting, uh, player owner council, and, and I'm going back to the airport. He said, Lou, can I ride with you? I said, Yeah. He said, you know, I'm Noel Picard's nephew. I said, no kidding. I didn't know that. No, he's that guy. He said, well, he didn't like JP, and he didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I says, well, if it's any <laughs> you know, benefit to you, we didn't like him either. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. All right, sir. Thank you very much. 
Okay. Talk to you next week. Take care. care. All right. Bye-bye.